This is Patrick Esmond White. You're listening to Canada Reimagined. This episode, Farm Regeneration. My earliest memories are from living on a pig farm in Fort Saskatchewan in northern Alberta. My first pet was a pig, which we ate. Now, I'm a city boy, but over the years I've occasionally stepped in a cow pie, figurative or literal. We always had a vegetable garden, my Irish mother controlled that, and eventually she became Canada's first gardening broadcaster. In her garden, my job was to spread manure. All this to say, I appreciate what I eat and how it's grown. Canada, of course, is one of the great breadbaskets of the world. Agriculture is a national treasure, a huge part of the economy. We've all seen signs saying, when you eat, thank a farmer. And yes, we should. Farmers are essential, hard-working, salt of the earth, and yes, sometimes proud rednecks, though I'm not supposed to say that out loud. However, the nostalgic farm image obscures the fact that there are broadly two types of farm in Canada, and both have problems. One farm is part of an agribusiness industry worth $100 billion a year, 7% of the national economy. Profitable farm corporations produce huge crops for global markets, with prices for barley, canola, and soybeans at record levels. Canada leads the world in sales of wheat, canola, and lentils. This industry is proud of its genetically engineered seeds, technology like robotics, and its pesticides and insecticides and fertilizers. Last year, Canadian grain farmers enjoyed bumper crops, and boy, the world needed every single bushel. Then there is the disappearing family farm. This is the iconic farm we love to idolize, where traditional families live and work, feeding the world. These farms are barely holding on to either their land or their way of life. It's a very tough way to survive. There are a number of red flags ahead for both category of farms, and I'm not just talking about the global threat of climate change. Some facts. The number of farms in Canada dropped by 30% between 1993 and 2016. The number of working farmers dropped by almost a third, and those under the age of 35 by two-thirds. 10% of farms, mostly corporate farms, earn two-thirds of the revenue. Farm-based communities are shrinking and aging. Younger generations leave, never to return. Yes, some buck the trend, but exceptions are rare. The average cost of farmland, by the way, went up 13% last year alone. It's being bought by deep-pocketed corporate farms. Family farmers can't afford a mortgage to buy land at this price, so farm-based communities are shrinking and aging. Younger generations do leave never to return. If we look at the food supply chain, another red flag is that there are very few food processing plants left in Canada. Crops and livestock are shipped south to the American industry for processing. Our food supply chain zigzags across our southern border. Another red flag is that agriculture accounts for over 20% of greenhouse gases around the world. Canada is a significant contributor. That is ultimately unsustainable and farms are under increasing pressure to reduce carbon footprints to be part of the solution. At the ground level, chemical-intensive farming causes enormous damage. This is worst with corporate farms. Birds and insects pay the price, 
natural ecosystems are in peril. These farms also employ what's called intensive crop management, a practice that causes them to lose topsoil constantly. This means poorer yields, something that's already costing the industry an estimated $3.1 billion a year. Canada's farms also have to contend with corrupt global markets. China gamed the canola market, squeezing producers at one point. At another point, China banned Canadian pork based on totally false claims that the meat was tainted. The Americans also protect their farm industries. All this market manipulation adds to the uncertainty for the farm sector. Deep-pocketed corporate farms can ride out the trade wars. Family farms have more trouble doing this. And finally, every year, climate catastrophes hit farms somewhere in Canada As ever, family farms hurt first and hurt most, they go broke, and the deep-pocketed corporations buy up the land. In short, Canadian agriculture is a bundle of contradictions. It's a massive industry and a dying way of life. It feeds the world and starves the soil. It's a celebration of nature and an ecosystem killer. So if we were to set out to plan the future of Canadian farming with a 50-year outlook, we'd address all these red flags. Now a disclaimer. Many farms, corporate and family, are of course well-managed and perfectly sustainable. They constantly learn how to improve their yields and be good stewards of the land. My broad brush is unfair to them, but they too will get my point. Farmers like these already support cutting carbon footprints, building ecosystems, paying a fair wage while making money. They want farm communities to rebound, for small towns to be revitalized. These, unfortunately, are the rare and wonderful exceptions. But that's not what's happening more broadly, in spite of the fact this is exactly what Canada's Agriculture Department claims as a mission. The depth of the problem is seen in all the red flags I raised. How to fix it? We might start by having government favor organic farming. That is, protect farms that try to be, and I quote, sustainable and harmonious with the environment. Organic foods are popular and sell for more money. The production of organic food should be a national priority. Under organic policies, Canada could dramatically reduce the use of phosphorus fertilizer, which seeps into groundwater and damages the soil and aquatic life. Neonicotoid insecticides could be completely banned. These neonics protect crops from pests, but also kill bees and other pollinators that are totally essential to all life. Our birds, bees, and butterflies are in peril, and chemical farm practices are a major cause. Canada could also be much stricter on herbicides. A story. When I was a municipal councillor several decades ago, I attended a conference of the Ontario Municipal Association. I questioned the salesman for the herbicide Roundup. He eagerly offered to drink a glass of the stuff just to show how safe it was. I just walked away. But that's the thinking that stands in the way of organic farming. Canada could in fact go much further and favor regenerative farming. This takes organic farming one step further. Regenerative farming rebuilds the soil and restores biodiversity through conservation tillage, cover crops, crop rotation, composting and pasture cropping. Like organic farms, regenerative farms avoid monoculture. They plant indigenous crops. 
It's a throwback to pioneer farms, but supported by modern science. For policies like these to be accepted, farmers need to be persuaded and supported. Farmers don't like being told what to do. Hey, no one does. But farmers aren't dumb. They'll listen, especially to each other. Agribusiness would fight back. They know what's going on. They know they harm the land, but their business model is reliant on chemicals and monoculture. They owe too much debt to change course. Many family farms have also been sucked into this model and simply can't escape the chemical addiction. True, intensive farming can produce a lot of food at a low cost. The problem is what economists call externalities. At some point, the land will be depleted. Yields will drop or a drought or flood will wipe out a year of income. That's when they'll come crying for taxpayer support. Corporate farms can often hang on through this. For family farms that got into intensive farming and have a year of disaster, it's foreclosure time. There's actually another model of farm I didn't mention up to now. A fellow by the name of Bill Gates, you may have heard of him, is America's biggest farm owner with well over a quarter million acres. As an aside, by the way, China also owns close to 400,000 acres of farmland in the United States, and I have no similar data for Canada, but I digress. Bill Gates argues that organic farms are simply unproductive. He advocates for genetically modified seeds and chemical herbicides in small doses. He promotes biologics, chemicals made from biological organisms. He plants corn and soybean intensively to be processed into meat substitutes. Gates tries to win over environmentalists, saying meat is an inefficient way to feed billions of people, and there is some truth to this. Vegetarians may like Gates' argument. Those with ethical concerns over killing animals may agree with eliminating all livestock. Still, most organic and regenerative farmers take a different perspective. Animals and poultry have been part of farming since, well, forever, and meat part of human diets. To me, the problem with Gates' approach is that it does not protect the land, the soil, or natural ecosystems. It does nothing to support farming as a family way of life. And to me, these are essential values. On the positive side, agriculture is seeing glimmers of a new scientific and technological revolution. Hydrogen will replace fossil fuels. Robots will be doing many mundane tasks like weeding and pest control. Cheaper than human workers, robots can tirelessly zap harmful bugs while leaving pollinators untouched. They can weed non-stop. Farm by farm, if Canada so chose, a regenerative movement could spread and evolve using science to protect nature. In debates over the future of farming, an emotionally charged topic is GMOs, genetically modified organisms. Of course, all crops are genetically modified in the sense that seeds have always been selected from the best plants. Mother Nature did the gene splicing randomly. It simply took generations. Today, technology offers a shortcut. Science lets us edit genes to modify plants to resist drought and disease, to tolerate herbicides, or to make them unattractive to pests. GMOs are everywhere. Some people oppose GMOs in principle. You hear terms like frankenfoods. It sounds scary. Most governments split the difference. They impose super tight regulation to ensure GMOs don't harm people or nature. We've had decades to see if it works, and it does. 
But if we let down our regulatory guard, those scary scenarios may yet come true. But let me get back to the big economic red flags. Every year, farms go bankrupt for any number of reasons. If the Canadian vision for the future of farming took a 50-year view, the government would step in as stewards and purchase farmland that has become less productive. Over time, some land would be returned to nature, some would be set aside for regenerative farming that would take years. In the meantime, we need to rethink the fundamental concept of farm ownership. We might adapt ideas from the National Farmers Union, which has fought for family farmers for half a century. We might take inspiration from Tommy Douglas and the old CCF and promote a revival of collectives and cooperative farms. We might return land to the First Nations whose traditions did not even include the concept of land ownership. All this regenerative farming would then be the foundation of a new Canadian brand for food. Every product produced through regenerative agriculture would be identified right down to the farm where it's grown, open, transparent, and monitored. The global market for high-quality sustainable food is strong. The price for Canadian regenerative food would reflect quality and value. No, not every farm would participate, but if it works, farms will see the light. Over time, we might turn the tide and see the red flags start to come down. The ultimate outcome would see farmers and their families living and working the land as part of a revitalized community. The carbon footprint of farms would shrink. Carbon gases like CO2 would be captured. The regenerative model of farming would have no trouble attracting new generations of farmers or in building thriving communities. Ultimately, regeneration supported by new technology is the future of Canadian farming. The days of migrant farm workers will come to an end. Robotic labor will be as common as a tractor. This, ironically, represents a return to the roots of farming, where community is valued. It's agriculture that cares about climate and ecology. To grow the future, we must learn from the past. You've been listening to Canada Reimagined. My thanks to Tom Platt for the theme music, Tom Evans for my artwork, and to Harbinger Media, a collection of Canadian independent podcasters that I'm honoured to join. I'm Patrick Esmond-White. Tune in again and spread the word.